0: On this very special episode of the Billy Gilmore Podcast, we asked real-life twins to give us their thoughts on Jack and Jill.
1: Mark, you go first. All right, uh, I am Mark Vance. And I'm Paul Vance. We're twins.
2: Okay,
3: I'll start, apparently.
2: Uh, You're the older twin, you can go.
3: I am the older twin, I should go first. Uh, I'm Dana, my twin. Robbie, who's not going to introduce himself.
2: The younger twin. Uh, I don't know. What what more do you want to know? What were some
0: of your first impressions after your first ever viewing of Jack and Jill?
3: Uh, It was a new one in the Adam Sandler canon that I had forever overlooked. Uh, And I think it is shockingly offensive to twin sisters. This movie is out to get twin sisters and I'm not here for it. And I don't know what somebody's twin sister ever did to Adam Sandler to make him write this
2: movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was I mean, it was weird, no doubt, but uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, like the, the language, uh, they like them inventing their own language. Some of the craziness was very amusing. Uh, to talk twin powers, love that. We get that question a lot. At least we did when we were younger. Um, no, I, I loved it. no, and I think the whole like twin sister thing, you know, obviously our relationship is not quite the same, but uh, I was amused, you know, as the as the uh, more normal of the twins, uh, it made sense to me.
1: As a mentioned, if I had to distill it into three words, I would say it's after its time. It's like <sighs> if it's like if uh, Jim Carrey released Ace Ventura uh, in 2015 or something, you think it was dated because Jared Fogel showed up? <laughs> 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 I love me some poop humor, some fart humor, some dumb humor. Uh, Adam Sandler's version of that has never been my jam, but I'm not, I'm never mad at it. I can't get really mad at it. So I didn't, I didn't hate it, but you know, there's only one bright spot for me. And that was Al Pacino.
0: How well did the film capture the experience of being a twin? Is there a Jack and a Jill in your own twin relationship?
3: Uh, I made a list of some things that were inauthentic. Uh, I have never once asked to snuggle for twin time, especially as an adult. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we did not have a secret language.
1: Mark is (laughs) Jill. No, that's my joke, damn it. All flop sweats at night, constantly. He leaves stains on the the sheets.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think like what actually of it was realistic to our childhood. Like, I mean, they're insane, obviously. And so very little of it actually lines up. But no, I mean, I think like, I think some of the general excitement, right? Like his coworkers were like, were excited to meet his twin sister when she was in town. And I feel like that's the same thing. Like I have friends like at school here who you know, like, I've known for a while and I feel like they like, maybe it just never came up that I was a twin or they forgot. And then I'm like, oh, like, you know, my, you know, I have a twin and there are, people find that very, very
3: exciting. I, I also do have to give them credit for, especially like the movie theater scene where, you know, his son is looking back and forth and is like, and they, you know, do it bigger picture across the whole film, but the idea that you and your twin think you're really different and exact opposites and everyone else is sort of like, no, you're pretty similar.
0: What was your favorite celebrity cameo?
3: I'm really torn between Jared Fogle and Johnny Depp wearing a Justin Bieber T-shirt.
2: I do love John McEnroe. Yeah, yeah. The Kobe, the Kobe footage. I think, as a big basketball fan, the Kobe footage was interesting. Oh, um, my favorite, my
1: favorite cameo, and I think the my favorite part in the whole movie is Shaquille O'Neal eating that ham. I mean, it has to be John McEnroe screaming about. Uh, screaming at the atheist for not believing in god cuz that just i didn't i don't understand that one
0: Al Pacino's performance in this pretty crazy, right?
1: It is actually very weird. Um but this was the first time I saw Al Pacino and was like, "Oh, this guy is scary." <laughs> I don't know. I enjoyed almost every scene with Al Pacino in it because it did seem so weird cuz you could because he's he's a good actor, you can kind of see he is playing himself in the best way you can. Where I believed it was Al Pacino.
2: <laughs> that whole storyline of the movie was very confusing. Why, like, why Al Pacino would even agree to this? Like, he just looks ridiculous in this, this thing playing himself. I am the smartest man alive.
0: We're gonna die. That's what I call a quality tool. I'm Scuba Sam, Scuba Steve's father. We eat the pig and then
3: together we burn. Well, I have a microphone and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say!
0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Billy Gilmore podcast. Uh, the podcast for uh, the discerning fan of the Sandman. Uh, I am, of course, your host as always, Wilson Smith. And joining me as always are Hi, this is Chris Giles. And this is Austin Cole. And we are extremely, extremely excited to be here right now. Uh, this is a big one. This uh, this episode is uh, one of the reasons that uh, I wanted to start this podcast. Um, and I think that uh, it, this is this is one of Adam Sandler's most interesting. Uh, most interesting projects there's a lot to dig into here um, and uh, of course jack 2011's uh, seminal classic jack and jill uh, directed by dennis dugan um, who you know has been on sort of a tear with sandler lately uh, in our as we've been watching him um, and this is yeah uh, like i said we have a lot to talk about with this one um it's it's got an outsized place in uh the pop cultural sort of uh imagination of adam sandler um, a lot of milestones here, um, but first, uh, I'd like to go ahead and introduce our guest, um, uh, very happy to have on this podcast, uh, it's it's very thematically appropriate, uh, and I uh, wanted to get her on here, uh, my uh, sister, Caroline Smith.
4: Hello, everyone. Happy to be here.
0: Thanks Caroline. for joining. Caroline for is here, my, Caroline. She is my twin sister, uh, so... And that's, you know, and it's, it's very, as soon as we decided to do this, I was like, I know who we, he, who we have to, there's only one person who can be the guest on this episode and it has to be Caroline. Um, thank you so much for being here, Caroline. Um, and this was your first time watching the film. Yes.
4: Yes. just yep. been mere hours ago.
0: Okay, cool. Well, and you, it seems like you have a lot of thoughts, a lot of opinions.
4: Fresh on the brain.
0: Hell yeah. All right. So, um, we are, of course, all still recording remotely, keeping with the social distancing that we're supposed to be doing. Um, so, you know, that's any audio blips or anything like that. That's what's the, that's what's going on there. Um, but it should be good. Uh, the last few episodes have been good. Um, I guess uh, we usually start with some Sandler news. I mean, there's not too much news for anybody these days, um, but he did put out on his Twitter account a new song that I guess he wrote and sings uh, uh, called Never Going to Shake Hands Again. Um and it's about like how handshaking is not going to come back after COVID nineteen. We're we're just done with that as a society. Uh, it's a pretty funny bit, um, and it ends. I thought it was very sweet. The very one of the last images in this video is a picture of I guess Sandler's desktop during a Zoom call um, with like I, I I saw in there. I saw Rob Schneider. I saw David Spade. I saw Chris Rock. Uh, I think Jonathan Lawren might have been there. Um, there were a few I didn't recognize, but um, it was really sweet. It was good to see that uh, they were all uh, – they're, they're, they're all keeping in touch the same, way, the same way we all are. Did anybody see that? Did, did any of you guys watch that video?
5: I watched a majority of it. I guess I must have cut out because I think I was watching it on Instagram, and uh-huh. it was maybe maybe uploaded to Instagram TV. And so uh-huh. they only they only do like a percentage of it. I did not continue, but yes, it was very funny.
0: Yeah, it's Uh, good stuff.
6: I haven't seen it yet, although I did spend the past week um, doing like, going down the Sandler YouTube rabbit hole. Um, A couple of days ago, just on a whim, I rewatched Tommy Boy. I've been on a bit of a Chris Farley uh, kick, uh, rewatching some of those movies. And, um, you know, you can go back and find all kinds of fun uh, appearances on... Like obviously SNL, but like on, on Conan's old show and everything of just Farley and Sandler hanging out together and acting crazy and um those always cheer me up during um during uncertain times. So yeah. Sure. Um, always fun to go seek those out.
5: Absolutely And, and Tommy Boy, it was directed by Peter Sagal, right? That's yes. correct. And he did which one did he do of the uh, Sandler did he, films?
6: Did he do Fifty First Dates? Fifty First
0: Dates, and he did Longest Yard.
6: That's right, because okay. there's the Tommy Boy Callahan uh, call-out in Fifty First Dates that by Dan Ackroyd, which always tickles me.
0: That's right. Um, yeah, very true. Um, oh, and he so did yeah. Anger oh, Management, too.
5: Oh, right! Okay. Totally
0: forget about that, yeah. Which is weird, because that one has that great Nicholson performance, which is apropos to our film tonight. Oh, yeah. Um, so, of course... Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are talking about 2011's Jack and Jill, and uh, you probably, if you're listening to this podcast, if you haven't seen it, you at least know of this movie. Uh, no one is hearing about this for the first time. Um, this is, uh, it's interesting for so many reasons. I mean, we could do a four-hour podcast on this and still only, like, scratch the surface. <laughs> but I think that... Um, you know, one of the reasons it's very interesting, aside from even, even more so than Grown Ups, this movie feels like it would have been a, a joke in Funny People. Like, you would have seen the poster for this on the wall. Absolutely. Um, and But also, this is, as I think we've alluded to in some previous episodes, this is uh, the first of his, in, a, in a, quite some time since maybe Little Nikki, this is the first of his... Um, Adam Sandler comedies, his Happy Gil- his Happy Madison comedies. Um, that it was a big bomb. Like you know, they were all hated by critics pretty much. But this was the first one that audiences did not show up for either. And it is, in a way, for Adam Sandler's theatrical prospects, something of the beginning of the end. Um, what were the box office? On. Uh, it only it only made something like seventy million dollars domestic, which. Like that seems hot. Yeah, it made seventy-four million dollars in the states, but it cost seventy-nine. Um, okay, and it made uh, worldwide. It called it. it made one hundred and fifty million dollars. So, um, yeah. and generally, he's good for those worldwide numbers. He's generally good for that up till this point. He's good for those numbers. Like in a like like just in just in America, he'll make one hundred and fifty million dollars. Um, right. So. This was a definite, like the audience for whatever reason, I mean, okay, there's there's a bunch of reasons, but it uh, <laughs> just did not uh, follow him uh, for this one. And I think that's, kind of, it's somewhat curious considering how much they, they ate up Grown Ups, which I like, but like, let's be real. Like it's it's, it's kind of less of a movie than this is, uh, if that's possible. Um,
5: Funny thing about Grown Ups, uh, just sharing it within the Adam Sandler community as soon as we posted that episode. That is the biggest the the biggest response we've ever gotten, (laughs) like like, over like six hundred likes probably cumulative between all the posts.
0: That's great.
5: It's crazy.
0: That's amazing. Fantastic. Um, happy to hear that. Well, yeah, I mean people people do love they love the boys. They love the Sandler (laughs) Squad. Um,
5: yeah, I don't know if if now since we talked a little bit about budget, uh, maybe we can bring this up later. But it's like part of me is just looking at that. $80 million budget and being like, okay, where do I think it all went?
0: (laughs) Sandler got 20. That's in the trivia for IMDb. Sandler got, I think that's just his quote at this point, but like he gets fully, it's the same thing for That's My Boy, which is his next movie, which is also a big flop. And you learn that that movie cost $70 million too. And you're like, where did it all go? And like most of it probably went to Sandler.
4: What about, I mean, Katie Holmes and Al Pacino and I mean... You know, there are
0: couple it, appearances that I you mean, know. they might get a couple million each. I mean, with seventy-five million dollars, you can afford to. Uh, I mean, I, you know, you, you have to imagine some of that went to the prosthetics, you know, for Sandler to transform into Jill. Um, you know, the Rick Baker level uh, special effects makeup work there. Um, maybe Nick Swordson suddenly like commanded a huge, uh, a huge rate. I don't know.
5: I don't I don't know that many films that are shot entirely or not it's not entirely on a cruise ship, but I imagine a cruise ship is also an expensive endeavor to like get involved with.
6: A royal reason like Sandler goes on a vacation budget like shots in this <laughs> movie, definitely.
0: Well, so that's something we we need, we need to talk about the Adam Sandler on a vacation aspect of it all. And it'll be one of the first things we bring up in talking about it. The other thing I want to note before we uh we dive into talking about the film itself. Is that this movie? Not only is it his lowest rated, I, I, I think it's his lowest rated on IMDb. Certainly, since like going overboard, um, it's his lowest rated. But also, um, this is the I think to date the record holder for most Razzies won for a single movie. Um, it's and the the, the the Razzies suck. I mean, I'm no I'm no great fan of theirs, but. Um, it's let's see. Uh, let me find what it says. Okay. Uh, it won in every single category. Worst picture, worst director, worst actor, worst actress. Both of those are for Adam Sandler.
3: Uh-huh. Um,
0: worst supporting actor, Pacino. Worst supporting actress, David Spade, is Monica. Okay. Uh, worst screen couple, Adam Sandler and Katie Holmes or Pacino and Sandler. Um, and this is just, this is category fraud, but it said worst prequel, remake, ripoff or sequel. And they called it a remake ripoff of Glenn or Glinda, um, which is, that's a dumb gag. Um, worst screenplay and worst screen ensemble. So, uh, ten rules. Um, but didn't deserve that fate. Let's find out, shall we? <laughs> um, so, Jack and Jill is about uh, Jack... Sadelstein, I believe. Uh, he's an advertising executive. Oh, sorry. The movie starts with a whole bunch of um, like, uh, it's like the when Harry met Sally like opening bit, where like all the couples are talking about like their relationships. But this is like a um, um it, it's all twins. It's all people talking. Is it's all twins right. talking what it's like to like grow up as like okay, like we had a secret language or like oh like. You know, I liked to have them in high school for this reason, like blah, blah, blah. Um, there is a weird, I did wonder if these were all candid uh, sort of confessions or whatever, but there is a, uh, a woman who mentions that she works at Hooters. And I was like, that feels <laughs> like it's got to be a, uh, that's got to be like product placement, right? Yeah,
4: that like, was the one whose twin sister had like uh, just gotten a degree from Harvard or something.
0: Yes, yes. The twin sister had gotten a degree from Harvard um and it was uh yeah yeah. so that's the joke i guess um is that her her sister works at hooters but if we know anything from adam sandler movies it's that he respects the person from hooters much more than he respects the person at harvard medical school oh yeah Uh,
6: (laughs) between between the hooters reference and like the nod to when harry met sally it's sandler throwing down the gauntlet he's letting us know as an audience this is going to be an emotional journey we're about to
4: go on
0: All right.
5: I mean, I do... Uh, so just doing like, a quick search, uh, looking up, like, who are these twins at the beginning? Uh-huh. Uh, a, a man named Dave Power has uploaded the Power Twins in Jack and Jill. So maybe some of them are real. Maybe it's just the... I mean, I, I assume they are real people, obviously. <laughs> but, but maybe they're based in some form of reality where it's like these are their actual characters and they just happen to be at Hooters. I don't know. That would seem a little bit... Crazy. Yeah.
0: It could have been. I mean, maybe that's how she got, they got hired was as soon as it was like mentioned the Hooters detail. It was like, perfect, you're in. Um, but uh, so we then see it's like a montage uh, of Jack and Jill growing up, uh, you know, twin, cute twin stuff. Um, you know, they're sleeping in the same bed. Um, they are slapping each other in their cribs. Uh, they're farting in the bathtub. All classic twin things um it's 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 very it's you know it's all so so true to life um and then we meet jack sadelstein uh who is an advertising executive uh and we meet him working with uh he's he's making a pepto-bismol commercial this movie has more almost more product placement than any other sandlin movie we've reviewed um
5: yeah, we're moving into also a different phase of Sandler where his characters in the movie have like actually really great like jobs. Oh yeah. Oh, yes. Instead of the times where it's like Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison. I guess Billy Madison doesn't have a job, but right. great situation. But like actually has like real desirable positions. Yeah. Between this and the doctor, and just go with it.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. He's definitely, like, he kind of is, like, not bothering to hide that, like, he, like, because he wants to play these characters is like, um, I don't know, like, he wants to play them at, like, he wants to live in luxury. He doesn't want to play, like, the schlub who's, like, living in, like, a loop, because, like, that wouldn't be as fun to film as it is to, like, I'm assuming, is this house that he lives in, is that Adam Sandler's house? Um, because <laughs> it's far too large for... I mean, even a... I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know. Advertising executives, I suppose, are uh, very wealthy people in, in Los Angeles. But this this thing that he has is like a compound. I mean, the kitchen in this movie is like twice a Nancy Myers kitchen. Um,
4: I also... Um, I don't know if this is the right time to make this segue, but I had a, a thought about the... Um, not the house, but whenever um, someone... Maybe the at some point somebody goes outside um in the the beginning um and it looks like they're straight up in the middle of the redwood forest
6: oh it looks like the et
4: forest. did anyone else get that because it's all of a sudden again i i'm forgetting the exact um you know what is exactly going on but it's like all of a sudden you were literally in the middle of like redwood state park and i was like.
0: Well, it's it's after it's after the Thanksgiving dinner uh, that goes badly, um, and uh, he run, and yes, Jill runs out into the woods, and you expect to see ET's spaceship landing. Um, <laughs> it's very weird. Um, so uh, during this credit sequence, we also learn, by the way, uh, in the opening credits, uh, we learned that uh, Dean Cundey shot this movie. Yes. Um, and Dean Cundey, for those of you who don't know, uh, you know he shot all three Back to the Future movies. He shot Halloween, the original. He shot Jurassic Park. Um this man is this man has made uh, numerous like all-time masterpieces, uh and also Jack and Jill. Right. Um so would that mean
5: that he was the uh like he was like the steady cam guy in Halloween?
0: Uh I believe so, yeah.
5: Okay, wow. <laughs> did not did not know that.
0: And you can definitely see that he brings all those skills to bear on Jack and Jill. All the beautiful uh, awkward framings, because they had to like change Sandler into a different outfit for each angle. So it's like we'll get a two shot of Katie Holmes and Jill, and they'll get a one shot of Jack, and, we'll, and they could they could be talking to each other like from different weeks for all we know. Yeah. Um, well, uh, so. <laughs> Jack is uh, Jackson, advertising executive. He's doing a Pepto-Bismol commercial with Regis Philbin. Um, we get here a weird cameo from Dana Carvey as this puppeteer who's like doing the uh, doing the like his the stomach or whatever it's supposed to be. Um, and it's a an, it's very weird because it's Dana Carvey's first role since The Master of Disguise, which is a Happy Madison production. But I don't believe he's ever been in a movie with Sandler like. With the exception of like like maybe a Saturday Night Live cameo somewhere. Um does anyone know his Dan Harvey? I don't think they've been in the movie together.
6: Uh no, I'm pretty sure this would have been the first one.
0: So, anyways, uh, it's it's not a funny cameo. <laughs> no.
6: There are there are a lot of cameos in this movie, even for a Sandler joint. There are many faces, some more uh, pleasant than others, I suppose. <laughs> oh.
3: oh,
0: yeah.
5: Uh, it looks like he actually was the referee in Little Nikki.
0: Oh, oh, that's right! Okay, so Sandler Squad, put him on the board! Sandler Squad, Dana Carvey. Um,
5: and he so- he shows up again, too.
0: Oh, great. Uh, is it in Sandy Wexler?
5: In Sandy Wexler and by voice in Hotel Transylvania, uh, too. Oh,
0: okay. Um... So let's see. Okay, so Nick Swordson is like Sandler's assistant or his like second, second in command or whatever. Um, and then uh, Tim Meadows also a member of the Sandler squad. So so far we've got Dana Carvey, Nick Swardson, and Tim Meadows in the Sandler squad. Showed up like first five minutes or whatever. Um, and uh, Tim Meadows tells Al, uh, Jack that Dunkin' Donuts they're going to lose their that account unless. He gets Al Pacino uh, to he gets Al Pacino to star in a commercial for their new product, the Dunkachino. <laughs>
5: uh, so they sound alike.
0: It's, it's so true. Um, yeah, and 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 I have to say, I don't think that this movie. I don't actually think there's anything very meta going on. I'm not I'm not going to pull any sort of highfalutin thing here, like and try to make it seem like this movie is meta in any intentional or even unintentional way. But it is like Sandler just straight up playing an advertising executive. That's either that could either be a sly comment or like the most extravagantly lazy thing he could do. Where it's like, yeah, just put a bunch of products there. It makes sense, right? Like I'm a, <laughs> I'm an advertising exec. Um, Swordson has a pretty funny line here where he um, where Sandler goes, "Do you think Adams? Do you think Al Pacino would do a would do a Dunkin' Donuts commercial?" And Swartzen just goes, "Ha! Yeah." <laughs> like, he's just—he just—he he's just, like—he can see that like that's not the—the the laugh is not the answer his boss wants—and he just is like, oh yeah, no, totally. Um, it's pretty good. Um, he says a bunch of stuff about uh, Sam was like my my sister Jill is uh, is I have to go pick her up from the airport. And Swordson says a bunch of things that are like, uh, like vaguely anti-Semitic, uh, and uh, or not so <laughs> vaguely anti-Semitic. Um, and uh he he also reveals here, and this comes back later, he reveals that he's he he reveals that he's an atheist, which he claims is close to Judaism, which uh, Adam Sandler doesn't care for. This is a weirdly Jewish movie. They keep bringing it up. um and like for Sandler, uh, I mean, like it's more Jewish than Eight Crazy Nights. <laughs> like more references to it at least.
6: and um well, uh. And correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, wasn't one of the uh, rare positive reviews for this film from um, that that good old chestnut Armin White? And didn't he like kind of argue for the brilliance of Jack and Jill as like in the grand tradition of Jewish comedy?
0: Yes, he did. Um, and there's another joke in this movie um, that uh, we'll probably come back to it, um, but it's it's apropos because we're recording on Skype. Um, there's a bit where Sandler says say, it's a. Pretty funny line where Jack says to Jill, like, uh, "Oh, you know, I invite you on Skype all the time," and she goes, "What is Skype?" That sounds anti-Semitic. Oh, that's um,
6: right. I had a good Jack. laugh at that earlier. <laughs>
0: it's a pretty good bit. Um, but then uh, we learned that uh, Jill is flying in, uh, flying in at four a.m. Uh, for some dumb reason. Uh, and then we see Katie Holmes uh, as Adam Sandler's wife. Uh, Katie Holmes had a very interesting point in her career with this movie. Um, Has she escaped I think, by this point? I think she, I think she's like six months away from that, okay. if I'm not mistaken. I think Because I think that happens in like 2012. Um, and this is obviously November 2011. Um, but it was like, you know, Katie Holmes obviously sort of famously after Batman Begins... You know, in the midst of her Tom Cruise uh, relationship, sort of falls off the face of the earth career-wise. Like, don't really see her in anything for a while. So to see her pop up in Jack and Jill, it, I mean, it's it's a it's a very easy gig. I'm sure that like, it's like no, you know, like she's not really adding anything to the movie um, box office-wise or like really personality-wise. But she's very very pretty and she's there. <laughs> um,
6: uh, maybe it was just a safe place for her to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, maybe Sandler and Tom Cruise are friends. I mean, all these all these rich folks are are, are buddy buddies. So maybe maybe it was just like a like a network. It's like, yeah, you know, we'd love to get Katie in a movie. And and she's just like, yeah, please, please. I want to get out of the house. (laughs) Um, So Sandler goes to the airport to pick up Jill uh, at four in the morning. There's literally no one there. Um, And uh, we see Jill uh she uh you know and what a vision she is uh she looks just like adam sandler uh but uh a woman uh and she you know something that something about this movie that i really like uh is that he's he really he really comes alive playing jill uh he's really got a lot of energy with this character um and you know you contrast that with something like you know just go with it Um, or grown-ups, where he's just kind of like, look at me, I'm likable, whatever. And like his other, you know, his Jack half of the movie is very similar, but then Jill, it's like, um, she feels like, yeah, and she feels like a Saturday Night Live character that he's finally putting on screen. Like it feels like something that would work, maybe not, but it feels like it's something that would work as like a skit um, of Saturday Night Live. Um, And like weirdly more so than like, Billy Madison or The Waterboy or Little Nicky, which are, are also things that feel like he's doing bits, uh, like for the whole movie. Um, this, like, this, few, maybe because it's also not super well-developed, as well-developed as those movies, like movie-wise, plot-wise, um, that it just feels like kind of a half-baked Saturday Night Live movie.
6: It's like he designed a whole movie around um, his Gap Girl character. which i was actually reminded of later on because we do see david spade uh, um, playing a woman as well so it's like oh well no like like it's as if he took like that voice and kind of a similar hairstyle and just ran with it to logical and illogical conclusions but you know hey he's having fun absolutely (laughs) Uh, um
0: we get the um we uh oh we meet you know he's driving jill home and um we meet jill has like a parent uh and the parent is constantly it's like where were you it's like you know repeating what jill's been saying um and uh jack like you know jack doesn't like the bird he's he's annoyed at his sister already um he offers her yeah he offers her to stay at the hilton but then she's like no i don't want to um and she comes home and and we cut to the next day and i guess it's thanksgiving and i think it's like it's like katie holmes's parents are there Jill's still asleep. Um, and we meet Sandler's, Sandler and Katie Holmes' children. Um, played by well, well, there's a there's a young girl, and then there's an Indian boy that they have adopted. Um, and th- I gotta say, you know, we were talking about like Just Go With It. We're talking about the kids in that movie, and like the, especially the girl in Just Go With It is pretty charming and funny. Um and and we were, you know, so we sort of comparing them to the kids from Blended. Um the kids in this suck. Like they're bad movie children. Uh, they're not funny, and uh, you know every time they try to put bits on them, where it's like, oh, the like the Indian kid likes tape. He likes taping things. Or the little girl likes dolls that look just dressed just like her. Um, they're just they're just so half baked. They're just sort of there. It's like Honestly,
4: who cares? I've already forgotten about them. yes absolutely
6: um with one notable exception later on the son has that line where he's like where are you gonna wear daddy in hell and (laughs) it might be my favorite line in the entire movie um and it it it, it, it totally killed me but otherwise yeah there's not much to these kids here aside from jill making inappropriate jokes
0: that's right um at this at this thanks so so anyways um Also, at Thanksgiving, uh, Katie Holmes' parents have brought home a homeless man, Um, and it's a pretty, it'll be a familiar face to all you uh, Sandler fans out there, because not only is this Alan Covert, member of the Sandler squad, but he is playing Otto, the caddy from Happy Gilmore.
6: Oh, that's great. Um, I mean, it makes me sad that he really hasn't moved forward in life, you know, ever since 1996. Maybe, I guess, he, he had a falling out with Happy. And uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, in any case it's always good to see Covert.
0: Yeah, you know it's 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 fun. Uh, and there's a funny bit where uh, the little daughter is doing like these practicing these karate moves and he, like, she's like hi yeah and Alan covert starts screaming like he's going <laughs> insane. He's like, ah! like that was funny. Uh, 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 they bring Jill downstairs. She asks him, she's like, can you lay down in the bed with me? And he's like, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm a grown man. Um, like, that's that's gross. She has this disgusting sweat outline uh, in the bed. Sweat shadow. Um, yeah, yes, yeah, sweat shadow. Um, <laughs> again, I can't tell you how many things in this movie, uh, you know, just were true to our, you know, the real experiences of growing up with a twin. Um, it, interestingly, <laughs> interestingly well, enough, I, had us
4: in our in our childhood.
0: <laughs> well, I also forgot to mention it is it's it's weird that uh, all the the twins in the opening are um, fraternal, no no, no, sorry, they're all identical twins. They're all like you know, it's two boys or two girls or whatever. because Jack and Jill, as Caroline and I are fond of reminding people, you can't be identical and be different genders.
4: And actually, that, someone asks them that um, during the movie. I, I can't remember exactly who, but that that hurt my ears up whenever um, when they got asked that question because we actually do get that question all the time. That's probably the question we get most frequently: is Are you identical? <laughs>
3: well,
0: another question that we get a whole lot is asked in this in this dinner scene coming up when Jill comes downstairs um you know there's some more product placement i'm counting it as product placement when they're like jill you look great and she points to her her she points to her shirt and says macy's and then she points to her boobs and says marshall's Um, (laughs) so we got marshall macy's and marshall's in there um they uh you know this is where we find out the, the the adopted son likes to take things to himself um she uh, – uh, Jill is, like, whispering about Otto and how he looks clean, but, like, you know, check the silverware or whatever, or, like, wipe the seat down. Um, and, of course, everyone can hear her because she's not really whispering. Um, and then there's a great bit where she's like, I feel like I'm in that – I feel like I'm in that movie with Pottersville where, you know <laughs> – J- uh, Jimmy Stewart, like, and, and they're like, it's a wonderful life. He's like, no, no, with the other one where, like, the angel and he falls in the pool. And like, he's <laughs> a wonderful life. And I have to say, um, it's bittersweet because recently, uh, recently, uh, we, we lost our dearly beloved video store. But this did remind me of uh, certain customers that we would have at Vulcan Video uh, where it would be stuff like that, where it's just like, hey, do you have that movie where they bought the zoo? Oh, we bought a zoo? No, it wasn't that.
6: <laughs> yeah. And, but, you know, uh, and, like, they, and like they 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 do variations on that bit like three or four times throughout the movie. And like again, with it is a it is admittedly a half-baked bit. It's not that funny. It's just Jill being stupid about movies. But for some reason, yeah. maybe it's a video store thing and we're all kind of feeling sad about that news. Um, but I died laughing every time and it kind of warmed my heart. Like it was fun.
0: Yeah. For sure. Um, oh, gosh, like,
6: geez, come come oh the movie with Leo and the iceberg.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. This this is a running bit that they keep coming back to. I feel um, like
6: Julia Roberts in that movie. Oh, pretty woman. <laughs> no, no, the one where she was the hookah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Pretty Woman. Why do you keep saying that? <laughs> uh, there's a funny bit where Jill Jill mentions here that. Um, that uh, Jack has to have, make everyone like him, and he's she, she. She Jill is just like, well, you made uh, you made her, you made your wife convert to Judaism, and you made your son not be Indian anymore, um, <laughs> which was funny. Um, but this was the question. This was the thing uh, that I was getting at earlier, where I was like, this is a question that we get asked. The thing about can you since you're twins, do you know what the other one is thinking or feeling? Like, do you have this like weird psychic connection? Um, that is a thing that we've gotten asked at various times. Um, the answer is no, um, for the most part, I guess.
4: I don't. Think, I don't usually say a definitive no. I say it's not what you think. Okay. Um, because yeah, I definitely can't tell what you're thinking or feeling. But sometimes we're on the same wavelength. Um,
0: the sure. Kind of the yeah, I mean, there's, there's been times where, like, I've texted you about something random and you were like, I was just thinking about that. Like, that's so weird. Um, uh, but that's about as far as it goes. Um, they also, uh, they do this thing where she, like, slaps herself and punches herself out of the chair um, to, like, to see if Jack will feel it. Um, she also coins the phrase womb-mates with a W. Um, which I liked a lot. Which was um,
4: something that made me laugh because, um, in the same way that Adam Sandler gets really uh, queasy um, and grossed out when she says that, uh, <laughs> sometimes I will I will reference the fact that Wilson and I shared a womb, and he has a similar response.
0: <laughs> well, you bring it up in polite company. I mean. <laughs> You know when when we're at the when we're at the theater and you bring it up, it's like okay, well, it's, you know, it's not time or place unless we're seeing Jack and Jill.
4: I don't um, roughly use the term "womb mate." will now. <laughs> will now. Um,
0: so also, we learn about their secret language that they have, which Jack claims not to remember anything of, but uh, Jill uh, apparently calls Jack, Jack's secret language name is apparently pagogo. Um. And let's see, uh, Jack says that he can't stand having his sister there. Otto leaves because it's too awkward. And this is the part where Jill runs out. Jill runs outside into the ET woods. Um, And the ADR that they put over like Jill running is, uh, I'm sleeping out here in the woods. At least the animals will be nice to me. Um, And it's like this movie, everyone runs outside to like comfort her or whatever. Alan Covert's Otto is still in the bushes. Um, you know, it's at this point that I was reminded this is a deeply, deeply strange film. Like there's no, um our guest that we had on uh to the the who we interviewed about their um New York Times piece for Sandler, Jamie. um I believe they referred to Jack and Jill as like Adam Sandler's Baroque period or like and, like spoke of it being like very baroque, and that is, it's very true this thing is just like all of his tics and mannerisms and kind of laziness to quote unquote laziness to some of his like storytelling or filmmaking here it's all exaggerated and distended in these weird almost grotesque ways where it's like nothing like there's no there's very little plot to this movie um you know even compared to other Sandler movies like I don't know just them running out in the woods I was like what is going on like why like where are they? Like, it doesn't feel like anything's connected to anything else. Um, It's like every scene feels like it could be like the start of something else. Like, or like I haven't been watching. I don't know. It's weird. Um, You know, maybe I'm going stir crazy in quarantine, but uh, the whole thing is just very, it's it's, it's almost surreal. For sure. Uh,
6: Like, especially for, you know, like, like the American mainstream comedy landscape, like even movies that I like are oftentimes admittedly kind of have like a test audience blandness to them but this movie yeah. so strongly has the courage of its insane convictions um it's uh just like this movie like never feels unsure of itself It like it knows exactly what what it wants to do and be and just goes for it uh for broke the entire time um i mean it's it's certainly unique
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Speaking of unique, speaking of, uh, you know, surreal, uh, we cut to uh, Jack. I keep wanting to say Sandler because normally I'm just like, yeah, the character that Adam Sandler's playing. But I have to distinguish here. Um, Jack is uh, watching on his Sony VAIO laptop product placement. Um, He is watching Al Pacino have a nervous breakdown doing uh, Shakespeare. um, Where Al Pacino is freaking out about someone not turning their phone off um if this movie had been even a little if this movie had even hit double digits on rotten tomatoes i have to think the draft house would have used this as a don't talk psa Uh, (laughs) we're saying there Pacino is screaming and he's just like he's like turn off your cell phone this is what the man said um do. oh go ahead
5: I do have to wonder because uh, they did do this at a weird Wednesday in at the Draft House, LA, and I'm curious. I wonder if they would have cut together a single one just for this. I,
0: yeah, I mean it. It, it would make sense. Um, yeah, and so Pacino, we do have so Pacino. We've mentioned him already, but this is his first appearance in the movie, and so we he, it must be addressed that Al Pacino in this movie playing himself, obviously. Al Pacino in this movie. Uh, he gives, he's giving a fucking performance. Like this thing, and this is, this is actually a major reason that the first time I watched this movie, I couldn't dismiss it out of hand the way that it was by, ever. I had always heard like, oh, this movie, it's apparently Adam Sandler's worst movie. It's like, you know, representative of the worst that Hollywood has to offer in, in, you know, in comedy, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'd like vaguely heard that Al Pacino was in it. Um, and then actually watching it, I was like, wait just a fucking minute. Like, this man is acting his heart out. Um, and he's one of our great actors. Um, and it's, I I used to say this is a joke, but now I don't, it's not really a joke anymore. This is his best performance since Heat. Um, it's probably, probably should be a minute to best since The Insider. Um, but still, what what a show that he puts That's- on for us
6: absolutely it's um so committed it's so selflessly like self-lacerating in a way or like just like just like just like a a, a really good natured self-parody just because like the fact that he's on stage doing really like intense shakespeare as he's having these meltdowns and freaking out the ice like that seems kind of specific like like specific to pacino's sort of legend and all that like they could have like like for all of the you know criticisms of sandler being lazy and all that this movie could have had pacino just like like scenes of him on set who hot like who eyeing it up and whatnot and like yeah on there but said they went for something a little bit more committed and specific and i appreciate that and uh yeah no um i think there's a reason why if nothing else people talk about pacino in this
0: movie (laughs) it's astounding um He uh, so yeah, he he does that. Um, Tim Meadows tells Sandler that uh, he he needs to corner Al Pacino at a Lakers game. Um, and they're all having breakfast. Is that you know, Sandler's having breakfast with his family. Uh, they're eating Sara Lee bagels, product placement. It's the the labels turned towards the camera, so it counts. Um, and then we meet uh, everyone's second favorite character from the film, uh, Felipe. Uh, is it you? It's Eugenio or Eugenio. I actually don't know uh, how. But it's uh, Eugenio Derbez, who is a comedy superstar in Latin America. Like, he is gigantic, Um, which I, you know, when I first saw the movie, I didn't know who he was. But like, he, the only other thing that Americans might know him from, I think, is the remake of Overboard um, with Ana Ferris. Yeah, I think he's also in something
6: called How to Be a Latin Lover, Uh...
0: which was a big hit. Yeah. Like even... So there's
6: that. Um, he's really charming here.
0: Yeah, he's very funny. Um, uh, I know Caroline agrees. Uh, he's in He's in
5: Geostorm.
0: <laughs> he's in Geostorm, there you go. Which, ah.
5: I, I remember one time at AFS, we got a message that like it was all in Spanish, and I was like, I don't know what this is saying, except for one word that was Geostorm.
0: Dame <laughs> 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 el <the place>, Geostorm. Oh, <laughs> um, So, uh, Felipe, who I guess does landscaping for Sandler's immense compound that he lives in, um, he, he walks in, uh, he walks in to say, uh, you know, to just say whatever, and he meets Jill, and he seems kind of smitten, and he does this thing, and it's sort of his bit throughout the whole movie where, uh, he talks about, like, his aunt sneaking across the border, and then he's like, I'm kidding, uh, and then, uh, He's like, oh, they're like, oh, so you do landscaping? He's like, I also do impressions. Uh, when immigration shows up, I, act, I do an impression of a tree. And like, he freezes. Uh, and then he's like, I'm joking. Ha ha ha. And it's like, oh, man, what a, what a charmer. I sure hope he finds a good gal. Um,
4: <laughs> stay tuned. He could ever want. The,
0: yeah. Just,
4: through the whole movie, I think. It's just the immigration jokes never stop.
0: Yeah. And they're very tasteful.
4: Very tasteful.
0: Um, so we get um, so it's it's post Thanksgiving, which again the 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 threadbare, the the gossamer thin plot in this movie that I can barely like, I can barely keep track of because it's so it barely it barely exists. Jill was only supposed to stay for Thanksgiving. That was the plan, but she's so lonely because she used to, she lived back in New York and took took care of Jack and Jill's mother and father. And the mother has been dead about a year Uh, or like it's like this is the first year that their mom is dead. And so, you know, Jill's lonely and they can, you know, you sort of sense Jill's loneliness. And so uh, Jack invites her to stay through Hanukkah. Uh, So, of course, we get this awesome montage uh, set to Don't Bring Me Down by Yellow. We get this awesome pony rodeo scene where Jill jumps on top of this pony and the like the pony falls and like splits.
4: Split. The pony.
0: Yeah, I mean CGI. You have to imagine some of the CGI. I was joking about Jill's like prosthetics and, and costuming earlier, but this is an example of a movie that clearly had too much money because the the horse, like the digital like legs of the pony, kicking out. Later on, there's a digital guinea pig. Um, there's a, there's a CGI, uh, like the bird at one point bathes in a chocolate bath and it clearly turns to CGI, um, and it's just like, there is no, you probably spent a million dollars on each one of those shots or effects, uh, and it's, it's absurd. Um, it's, oh man, it's great. Um, let's see, oh yeah, it's just more montagey stuff, like, that makes, stuff that like makes very little sense. I mean, there's Jack waking up and Jill's in the bed with him. Um, and then there's a bit where Drew, Jill goes on the Price is Right. Like, I don't really like. I, it's just a thing they needed to, ha- they wanted to happen, I guess. Like, wouldn't it be funny if, or like maybe Drew Carey was having lunch with Adam Sandler? And I, <laughs> I get.
5: I guess you could say that's the second callback to Happy Gilmore in a way.
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Jack is watching on his Sony Vaio laptop. He's watching Scarface, and he sees Jill out in the pool. Uh, with in the pool with a jet ski like spinning it around Uh, of course this made me think of billy madison which uh, which then led me to think that's when i asked wait was this shot in adam sandler's house because if i'm adam sandler i'm thinking to myself like there's no way that that house is bigger than the one that he himself lives in and to me it would be kind of perfect if he shot the movie in his house because it would be like a perfect not only would it be a perfectly sort of like look like, I'm so rich and famous, I can literally just shoot this at my home, who cares? Um, but also, as someone who uh, had a hand in making uh, a, uh, an emotional family drama, uh, you know, about deeply buried secrets that takes place partially over Thanksgiving that were shot uh, at the creator of that film's house or his parents' house, um, you know, I just I just want to think that crecia shares something of the uh, creative spirit of Jack and Jill. Um, it's very important to me to think of it like that. Uh, let's see. They go to the movies. Um, they go to the movies and uh, we get Coca-Cola product placement on the popcorn bags. It made me deeply wish that I could go see a movie in a theater, like okay. and have some salty popcorn um, and, and a big old soda. Um, and they're acting exactly the same as they watch the movie. Um, now, that's you know, and glad once again that we have Caroline on here because a fun fact that I'll, I'll that Caroline can confirm um, this is not this was not our experience, at least not you know, early on as twins. Because the first movie that we ever saw in a theater was the 1991 re release of 101 Dalmatians, and my parents or my mom famously thought, like, famous in our household, not like in the world, uh. Thought that uh, I was gonna be the one who talked through the whole movie and like they were gonna have to shush me. Um, And we go to the theater and I uh, was apparently from moment one smitten, like, you know, jaw on the floor, like staring straight up, like not moving. Uh, And Caroline talked through the whole thing.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I think I even kept saying, Mama, Mama, I'm loopering because i was told to only whisper if we needed to talk but um apparently i was confused about what it meant to whisper so i think i I think i was removed shortly thereafter while wilson uh you know took in the the marbles i took
0: i I took in the sights and the sounds and little did i know it was preparing me to one day watch jack and jill for a podcast (laughs) um then uh so yeah so then Jack's back they're back at home Jack is freaking out about uh like Jill's forwarding her mail here she's getting her copies of birdie magazine and highlights which I thought was a funny detail oh,
4: um well, i had forgotten about highlights
0: yeah it's not highlights for kids it's serious highlights yeah. um I don't know I don't know if Goofus and Gallant are in the regular highlights <laughs> um but uh, they realize that oh, like Jack is like you know what Jill really needs is a guy. Um, there's a scene. There's just there's, there are these scenes with Jill where they do like make an attempt at having the movie be have like a real emotional core where it's like Jill, for as obnoxious as she is, she seems like such a deeply, deeply, profoundly lonely person um, that there are times when it all crosses over into being like quite. Quite sad, um, and there's this scene. There's this scene where she's explaining to Sandler's, ch- she's explaining to Jack's children why she doesn't have kids, um and it's like weirdly, like, I mean, Sandler's a convincing actor, and it's just like a weirdly, like, I'm not saying it's a great scene or anything, but it is just like, oh man, like, I don't know if the movie meant to reveal that this person is such a damaged, like, like lonely soul, um, but no worries because they make her a profile for mysoulmate.com. I don't think that exists. Um, they, uh, they have a, uh, they have a funny bit uh, where her profile picture for mysoulmate.com um is like her eating a sandwich in the laundry room. Um, <laughs> and we get Downey and Gain uh, prominently placed there. So, you know, more product placement. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess we forget about that for a minute because then we go back to the advertising agency where uh, Shaquille O'Neal, member of the Sandler squad, um, has done a ham commercial for Sandler's agency. Um, you know, he just talks to – he talks to Nick uh, – Jack talks to Nick Swordson and Nick Swordson's like, yeah, it's going to be hard for uh, – it's going to be hard for Jill to find a, a guy because she's so homely. You know, Nick Swordson's kind of a jerk. Um And then uh, Sandler, uh, Jack, goes onto Craigslist, I think, and basically makes a posting for Jill. But he makes a posting for people to go to Jill's profile on the dating site. And, like, I'm not really sure that's how Craigslist works. Like, you don't go to Craigslist and be like, hey, send me a like on OKCupid. Um, But, I mean, I guess it could work that way. I don't know. Um, uh, But... (laughs) Let's see. Uh, oh yeah, Jill gets a, a million responses from a lot of creeps, um, and uh, she gets ready for her date. And who should show up? Uh, but one of my personal favorite members of the Sandler Squad, Norm McDonald, uh, uh, who we haven't seen. Well, I was gonna say we haven't seen in a while. He technically shows up for that shot in Grown Ups. Um, but before that, what's the last Norm McDonald appearance? Is it Billy Madison? There's gotta oh, be some. Little Nikki. Little Nikki. Right? Yeah. Okay.
5: And then they had that dirty work, like slight crossover.
0: Right. Well, dirty works before little Mickey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So Norm McDonald is playing Fun Bucket, um, and uh, he uh, and when, when uh, he sees Jill walking in slow motion down the stairs, uh, all you know, dressed to the nines, uh, he looks terrified. It's some of the best acting you'll ever see from Norm McDonald. Um, because just real, just real
6: quick, just like just that that, that slow in, uh, just a shot of Norm's face in the reaction. Um, right now, you know, with uh practicing uh uh social distancing and, and, and all that, I really wish you were here at the apartment, Wilson. Because I was, you, 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 and I think are both uh special Norm Norm fans, and uh, just the <laughs> just the shot of his face here, I died laughing. I was like, ah, <laughs> I wish you were here, but I knew you were, you know.
0: <laughs> it's so it's so funny. there's another shot coming right up with norm uh, that's also very funny that I'd forgotten about because they go to they go to um, dinner and Jill is very nervous and talking about like oh the clock's ticking I need to go ahead and get you know I need to get a baby in me or whatever Norm goes to the bathroom for like hours and Jill goes looking for him in the bathroom and can't find him. And then walks out all sad, and then the camera tilts up, and Norm is like Spider Man hanging up like upside down from the ceiling, uh, like to escape her. Um, pretty funny bit. Um, Jill comes home. Uh, Jill comes home and is all sad because the date went bad. And there's one of my favorite like ADR bits where she's running up. She's like, she's walking up the stairs, and then she starts running as she's crying. And she said, "Why do you put stop it already? Why do you put so much pressure on me? Why are there so many stairs? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I I don't know why, but just like, like, (laughs) it's a good bit. Uh, I liked your old chandelier better." (laughs) Um, And uh, so, to make up for the bad date, Jack decides to take Jill to the Lakers game. Uh, And here's where uh, Al Pacino re-enters the picture. John, uh, Al Pacino, uh, we see him sitting courtside next to, one, Johnny Depp, uh, mega st- world-famous world megastar Johnny Depp. And, like, that's slightly a joke right this second. But in 2011, like, this dude, like, I mean, he's making $20 million a movie at this point. Like, yeah. Johnny Depp is, like, is huge.
5: He was the one, the first time I saw this, which was around 2011, he was the one where I was like, Holy shit, they got Johnny Depp in this. Like, not Al Pacino. It was Johnny Depp that I was shocked by.
0: Yeah. This is before he was in any of the Kevin Smith movies. And so this <laughs> felt like a genuine get. Like, like right? Oh, oh, wow. How'd they do that? Um,
4: <laughs> Interestingly, like Johnny Depp was sporting a Justin Bieber t shirt. That thing. was funny. Mm-hmm. That
0: was a good bit. <laughs> um, so, and so Al Pacino shows up to sit next to Johnny Depp. And Al Pacino is wearing the craziest fake beard. Um, and he's like, I just don't want to be, he's like, I want to be recognized. And then probably the funniest moment in the entire movie when uh the celebrity camera, the celebrity cam, as it's called on the jumbotron, like zooms in slowly to both Johnny Depp and Al Pacino. And then it it doesn't, it doesn't go to Johnny Depp, it goes straight up to Al Pacino and then it starts flashing his name on the screen. And Al Pacino- <laughs> Wearing this dead expression with his fake beard, staring into space, um, it's amazing. Um, and then uh, we get some shots of the Lakers, which I'm considering product placement because the Lakers are a business. Um, we also get uh, we also get some shots of Kobe Bryant, which you know they couldn't have known, we couldn't have known. Uh, but you know it's all it's all unexpectedly poignant these days. Right. Um, and so. Johnny Depp has a has a couple of funny lines in this scene where he's just like, he's like, Al, do you think people think I'm sitting with my rabbi? Like, what are you doing? Um, and then uh, Jack and Jill go down. Uh, they go down to see uh, Al Pacino and uh, Jack tells the story. He's just like, oh, like, Mr. Pacino, we were actually in uh, we actually have met. We were at the premiere of Cats and Dogs 3. And uh, I spilled my popcorn on uh, – you, or you spilled your popcorn, uh, and I gave you, I gave you mine, uh, and you called me Popcorn for the rest of the movie. And Al Pacino's just like, oh, Popcorn, yeah, Popcorn, yeah, good, nice to see you, Popcorn. Like, and he calls him Popcorn through the rest of the movie. Um, and this is funny because Caroline has uh, a little dog named Poppy, uh, and anytime I see Poppy, uh, I am fond of, in the Al Pacino voice, just calling going, Popcorn! <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sure Poppy appreciates it she loves a good Pacino uh-huh. yes,
4: now that she's seen the film she appreciates it even more
0: absolutely um, Sandler's wearing an Adidas tracksuit that's product placement um, and Pacino Pacino here uh, when Jill says that she's from uh, she's from the Bronx and P- Pacino then he says under his breath Dunsinane like Don Quixote. Um, and which was great. Like, I almost wonder if that was like an ad-lib on Pacino's part, because it's like, can, I can't imagine Adam Sandler and his co-writer like writing this Don Quixote stuff in there. hair. Um, but uh Pacino is smitten with Jill. He's like, I'm from the, you know, I'm from the Bronx too. You know, that's so great. Jill's not interested. She asked Jill. She says to Johnny Depp, were you and Duran Duran? And Johnny Depp's just like, yes, yes, I was, you know, whatever. Um, And then Pacino, when they go take their seats, Pacino sends Jill a hot dog uh, courtesy of Mr. I think the guy says courtesy of Mr. Pacino Uh, and the hot dog, the footlong hot dog on the bun written in ketchup and mustard. It says, call me and has Al Pacino's phone number. (laughs) it's so good it's so funny um so then they, they go they drive home uh there's uh jack is trying to convince jill to date pacino and she has the immortal line um uh you know that he just wants to play twister with your sister um which is a great bit um and when she mentions that she's like we'll discuss this more after new year's and then jack Here's another part where I just wrote down they had too much money. Jack just in the they're driving his like SUV or whatever and he does a screaming like 360 degree skid in the empty streets of Los Angeles after a Lakers game. I don't buy that.
5: He knocks over a uh, a, a USPS box in yeah, the midst of this. That's right.
0: Yes. And that's not that's you know it's all joking crime. aside. We love the USPS. And we want them to su- we want them to survive. Uh and and Jack is doing them no favors. Um but then yeah, I just wrote too much money exclamation point. Um and then uh we have a great scene after that. It, as you can tell, I'm sort of it feels like we're sort of drifting like aimlessly here, but this is how the movie goes. It's not like this is not really like strong logic driving things. Um there's a birthday party for Jack that his agency puts on. Um, it's a surprise party. Um, and at this party we see Jared Fogle. Uh, you know, we we're not gonna we're not gonna go into Jared Fogle, but you know him as a subway guy and you probably know why we can't talk about him any further.
5: Our third call our third callback to Happy gilmore <laughs> that's,
0: that's right. <laughs> Exactly. That's right. Oh my God, in some way. Um, oh, and there's a bit where Jill is talking to Jared, and the joke is the joke is basically in the scene that J- Jill says that if Jared was still as his fat self, that he would be with her rather than like supermodels. Um, but there's a bit where Jill says, I miss the old Jared, and I just wrote, Don't we all Jill? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, and then also we get uh, the Wow guy, uh, uh, and we get Billy Blanks of Um It's like a clearance sale of all of Sandler's famous friends that he's—anyone he's ever met at a party. Um, we, get
5: a, we get a couple of other, like, small, um, like, weird uh, Sandler squad members in this, too. Yep. Uh, yeah. You get Michael Irvin um, yep. of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh-huh. And Bill Romanowski. Wow. He's in in football, I assume. I don't know Bill Romanowski.
0: Okay. Um, Well, also in that scene, you get Dan Patrick in like one shot. Um, But Dan Patrick, obviously, he's like in a million of these Adam Sandler movies. Um, And you also, uh, one of of my favorite running bits in the whole movie gets paid off here, uh, which is... uh, Jack just says to Jill, "Hey, did I ever tell you that Todd is an, Todd is Nick Swardson? Did I ever tell you that Todd is an atheist?" And Jill, Jill is furious about this. I like I like how like righteously mad she is at, at all this. And she says something about she's like maybe God wouldn't have given you a rat face if you believed in him. And then who should, who should show up? But Sandler squad member and famously mad person. John McEnroe and John McEnroe's whole bit here is that he is furious that Nick Swanson does not believe in God uh and like he literally walks up and says this guy doesn't believe in God idiots like you really make me mad and it's it's one of the craziest one of the craziest things I think I've ever seen in a movie is like John McEnroe scream like if, you t- if someone told you I had the craziest dream last night, John McEnroe was screaming at Nick Swordson that being an atheist was stupid. It's like, you'd be like, wow, like, I think you need to speak to your therapist. Um, and yet it's in this movie that costs $75 million. <laughs> um, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, so Jill gets upset at the cake. There's only one cake and not enough candles for both of them. She walks into the coat room, I guess, at this place. And who should be there but Al Pacino. Uh, and he says, funny meeting you here, which I guess he just invited himself. Uh, he takes her home, he drives her home and Pacino has this nice bit where he's talking to Jill about, you know, being from New York, it's easy to tell where things are. Like, you know, the streets, but in LA, he was just like, I never know where anything is. Um, again, I just wonder, I'm like, did Pacino, was he amusing himself here? Like, he's such a good actor that he's selling in this moment. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like Pacino thinks he's in, like, before sunrise or something. Uh, and, and he's just like, oh, you know, like, in L.A., you just don't get it, like, in the Bronx, you know? Um, <laughs> Pacino takes Jill to his home, where he has made her a birthday cake, um, They have this great back and forth. Uh, At one point, he makes her play stickball, uh, and for some reason, and she shatters his one Oscar. uh, And she's just like, "Oh, like you probably have more." And he's like, "You think, but no, I don't." Um, And then uh, I I guess she leaves. I don't really remember how that scene ends. It's all it all blurs together after a while. Um, Felipe, we suddenly have Felipe out in the ET woods. Uh, discovering Jill in a sleeping bag, uh, saying like uh, something we never saw. Like they just elided all this, where it's like, oh, my brother got mad at me because I wouldn't date Pacino, so I slept out here. Um, Alan covert is still out there as Otto. He tries to eat uh, Jill's bird. Um, it's all very strange. Um, let's see. Oh, the <laughs> uh, Felipe invites her to his family's cookout. Uh, where he claims that one of the things they do is steal white people's wallets um another great bit um very funny um and uh let's see uh, they go to the cookout uh Caroline I know you love this scene um there's all the you know he introduces Jill to all of his um relatives uh you know they've got uh Juan his other brother Juan uh his sister Juanita his grandmother <laughs> His grandmother Juan Um, and then he says, "I'm kidding," but it's not clear which thing he's kidding about,
4: <laughs> um,
0: because later he says he, he he introduces Jill to his children, he's like, Here's "Jose, Jose Jr., Josefina," um, and then he's like, "He's like, oh, my wife passed away. I know she's sneaking into heaven right now." Um, and during this uh, during this scene, we get uh, Diet Coke. We get Bud Light, we get Pace Salsa, uh, mm-hmm. all these great product placement, uh, all these products that we're very happy to be associated with Jack and Jill. Um, Eugenio Derbez is playing Felipe's grandmother as well, and she is a terrifying gargoyle of a woman uh, with like one tooth on her bottom lip, or like on her bottom gum. Um, and there's this very, very strange running gag where she keeps shoving very hot peppers into her mouth. Um and like she gets for
4: me. I don't I didn't I, I never understood it.
0: Well, again, if you if you take it less as a comedy and more as like a weird surreal endurance test, it makes more sense. like there's no, there's no sense to be made of it uh, in a way, which is the most radical kind of comedy of all. Um,
4: like anything, anytime anything happened to her, she everyone would rush up to her with a basket of hot peppers, and she would just gnaw on them.
0: Yes, it's it's again deeply strange. Um, I it was never even once funny, but I was sort of laughing at how I couldn't place why they were doing this. Like I couldn't even place what the joke was. Um, But uh, yeah, like they do some break dancing, Uh, you know, Granny gets hit in the face a bunch. Um, And while all this is happening, Pacino shows up to Jack's house and just bursts in and is just like, Jill, where's Jill? All I want to do is make you happy. Um, (laughs) Just like, I'm not, I want to make sure I'm not just imagining you. Um, He goes into Jill's room. Lays down on the bed and inhales Jill's, uh, like, sweat scent um, that she has left. Um, you know, where, where is she? Like, it cannot be stressed how much Al Pacino is giving a performance. Like, how much he is acting like, like, he's he's not really acting any different. Like, he's not really, he's no less committed to this than he seems to be committed to, like, the insider or Heat. <laughs> or the Irishman, it's like he is somehow like he's just a force of nature in this movie. Um, but uh, he says he, he says he'll do the commercial if Jack can set him up with Jill because she's his Dulcinea, she's like his or Dulcinea or whatever Dulcinea. That's it. It's Dulcinea from uh, Don Quixote. And um, <laughs> uh, and I think I don't remember where they introduced this, but I think a big part of him wanting to go out with Jill she inspires him and he's had a nervous breakdown and he wants to decide whether he should play coyote on broadway um i guess that's nominally why he's doing the things that he's doing um he has a he has one of his funniest lines in this scene where he's just like out of nowhere he's just like i'm i'm lost popcorn i go to see my kids i can't find them i end up talking to lemon trees. And, and Jack is just like, I'm sorry, you lost me, Mr. Puccino. <laughs> uh, uh, Felipe brings Jill home, tries to tell her that uh, he has feelings for her, but she keeps farting due to the chimichangas. Um, she is uh, shitting a bunch, and Jack, through the door, invites her on a cruise. And all of a sudden, we're away on our Royal Caribbean cruise, uh, product placement for Royal Caribbean. And... Um, you know, we, we're very fond of talking on this podcast about how good our timing has been uh, with every episode of this. Um, and the cruise line thing, uh, considering that uh, cruise lines may not exist a few months from now. Um, it's Crazy. Uh, it's it's a crazy thing. It's very weird to watch it, all, all the stuff taking place on a cruise when it's like we're reading about all the weird COVID news where people are trapped on a, trapped on a boat together. Yeah, all right. um, not happening.
4: It's not happening for a long
0: time. No, um, so we experienced them vicariously through Adam Sandler and his family,
5: right? This is his second, uh, he does another cruise movie with uh, the Hotel Transylvania 3. So it's
0: like, and going overboard, so there's three.
5: Oh, three, yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, this is for sure, I haven't seen Hotel Transylvania 3, but this is for sure the most uh fun looking cruise of all. I went on a cruise last year, they're not that fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, at least car, at least carnival, and I'm done with them. Never yeah, again.
0: Yeah, I. It's been like a decade since I've over a decade since I've been on a cruise, and I remember thinking, like, I've never really been compelled to go on another one. It's never really been like, oh, I'd love to go on a cruise. That's not really something I I care that much about. Um, so they're on the. I did write R.I.P. Cruise Industry <laughs> at this point. Um, but um, you know, this is the part where they're at the buffet and the parrot bathes itself in the chocolate bath and it clearly is a cgi parrot because it would have to be um and that's another part why i just wrote too much money um i appreciated
5: i appreciated in this the truth of them wearing like twin shirts Mm -hmm. because you see that shit everywhere on cruises that's right it's always like that's 50th birthday or it's like we're here for the twins. I don't know. Some crazy shirts that they all make. Everyone yeah. dresses the same.
0: It's like at it's the same at Disney World. Um, mm-hmm. it's the same with Disney World where everyone just has shirts where it's like, we're on our 17th anniversary or whatever. We're uh, Union,
4: 2020. Yeah. Um,
5: oh my god. And the little kid tapes of a live lobster to his back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Again, they keep they keep trying to make this a bit like a bit, but it's not funny. Um, yeah, these kids suck. Who cares? Every time they're on screen, I'm like, go back to Jill. I, every time every time the kids are on screen, I turn into Pacino, and I was like, where's Jill? Uh, I'm not imagining her! Um, so, uh, Jack calls Pacino as scheduled, but ends up, the time difference fucks him up, and he ends up calling Pacino during a performance. Um, and there's a bit, so Pacino st- takes the call during the middle of this performance, um, and he's like mad. That he's like telling the audience, like, "Shush! I'm taking this call." Um, the understudy comes up and offers to take over for Pacino, but Pacino's just like, "Hey, sorry, no one came to see you." Like, you know that. You know that's true. The understudy is played by Dennis Dukin, um, Directorial cameo for my man Dennis uh, Sailor <laughs> Squad. Uh, Sandler Squad Sterling Sandler Squad member. Um, and uh, <laughs> this. Jack then pretends to be Jill on the phone, uh, which it's like, and he's I was like, wow, he's amazingly good. Like if if the thing is, it's like if if I were Adam Sandler, boy, I wish I was. But if I were Adam Sandler playing Jack here, I'm like, okay, well, if I'm gonna impersonate Jill, I'll do it a little bit badly. Like he wouldn't be able to impersonate his sister perfectly, but he just does the Jill voice that he is using to play Jill. And I only say that because it's like, it's like what it's like the same thing later when he dresses up as Jill, and it's not like a it's like a it's almost just like wow, can you believe that Al Pacino is being fooled by this? I'm like, well, yeah, because he looks exactly like Jill. That's just what that's just how Jill is dressed. <laughs> um, but um, uh, interestingly enough. Uh, in this scene, uh, there's a joke about how uh, it, because it's they're making fun of LA theater, and they mention that Bruce Bruce Jenner is in the production. Um, I gotta say, now Caitlyn Jenner, of course, uh, not to not to misname, um, but it's a very uh, it's you know Kobe Bryant and Jared Fogle and someone named Bruce Jenner, you know, showing up. It was like this whole thing was like a weird parade of like. It's just like you know, like the the memories just being, blown, you know, just like bubbling, to the, bubbling up to the surface during this weird fever dream of a movie. Um, a truly random assortment of people, I guess. Um, I don't know. Jack and Jill they like jump rope on the they they jump rope on the on the cruise deck um, that was in all the trailers. I remember. Um, let's see. Uh, Jill won't go on the date with Al Pacino no matter how much Jack tries to convince her. Um, I have written down here, bird drunk on Jack Daniels. And I remember that happening, but I don't remember in what context it happened. <laughs> I just remember the, the, the bird having a bottle of Jack.
4: I don't remember context, because I don't think there was any.
0: Okay. Um, so Jack decides he's going to go meet Al Pacino as Jill in Spain, when they dock in Spain. Um, So Jack goes into the bathroom to change into Jill's clothing. And there is a bathroom attendant there. So he has to go into the stall. Uh, He shaves his chest using toilet water. Um, Weird choice. Um, And then he, uh, (laughs) uh, he puts like coconuts in his bra comes out uh the attendant sees him and the attendant just sort of like comes up and straightens his crooked boobs uh and it's just like you know thumbs up like you're good like you look good uh and you know jack uh jack is picked up by al pacino in a helicopter uh al pacino like lowers down and like drops a rope ladder uh he takes jill to dinner uh And this dinner, a bunch of crazy shit happens, like Al Pacino misremembering something. He was like, I used to raise pigeons. No, wait, that was Brando. (laughs) Um, And then uh, there's one of the funniest bits in the movie where Pacino tickles Jack playing Jill. Uh, He's tickling (laughs) what he thinks is Jill, and Jack laughs so hard or like 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 laughs and then sort of like hey, hey, and like smashes this bowl just like <laughs> shatters shatters this nice china um and uh Jill Jill is like Jill talks to Katie Holmes and it's like oh my brother really does care about me and wanted me to stay for New Year's and so Jill calls Jack and Jack has to pick up using Jill's voice uh and uh Jill realizes, like, oh, my God, you're like, you're playing me. You're using me to get to Pacino. Like, I hate this. Um, You know, this is awful. Uh, eh, Whatever. (laughs) Um, Back on the ship, Jill is walking through the hallway all upset about this. And the bathroom attendant runs into her and squeezes her boobs and she punches him through a door like 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 an Captain America like punches punches someone through a solid wooden door. Um and then uh and then uh back at Pacino's place, Jack beats up Al Pacino uh because Pacino is just talking about like what a hat her brother is and like oh like never gonna be great is just like an advertising blah blah blah. Uh and then Pacino has this really uh this, this moment where it's like I wrote down, did they borrow – Paul, did Paul Thomas Anderson lend them a line from Magnolia? Because Pacino says to Jill, or Jack, who he thinks is Jill, he says, uh, you've got so much love in you, Jill. So much to give. You just need someone to give it to. wow. Yeah. Pacino, Pacino uh, decides he wants to play Don Quixote. Uh, and I guess he'll do the commercial. Jack runs out and is like, "I gotta go see my womb mate." Um, <laughs> uh, Jack comes back to the cruise ship. I'm not sure exactly how, um, but Jack comes back to the cruise ship um, and uh, finds out that Jill went home again. I'm not entirely sure. Like, I guess she, I guess they, she disembarked in Spain. Who knows? Um, Jill's back home in New York.
5: It's, that's that's um, one of those weird things that happens in this. Both with Al Pacino finding their cruise ship in the middle of an ocean, like by helicopter, and just her disappearing. That was one thing I was like, "What happened?" Yes, I, you don't get to leave a cruise. You don't just disappear off a cruise unless you fall yes. off the side.
0: But again, you know, I keep comparing this to a dream. Um, yeah, it just really seems like it's like an it's like an Inception how they're like. There's no, like, you never really know how you got to where you are. Like, try to remember how you got here. And she's like, I can't. And it's like, well, that's how you know you're in a dream. And that's a little bit how Jack and Jill operates.
3: Um,
0: or it's just, it's just like, wait a minute. Like, how did, how did Jill suddenly end up back in New York? What day is it? Like, um, but Jill, you know, gets, she gets out. She goes back to her house. Um, she has Oreos prominently placed in her bag. Uh, so that's some more product placement. Um and she goes to the bar. She goes to a bar for New Year's Eve where she used to go with her mom. And she takes a picture of her mom with her. Um, it's very sweet. Jill seems like a lovely lady um, uh, in this movie. Jack's a real jerk. Jill, you know, she's she's great. Um, and uh, at the bar, we get uh, David Spade in drag, uh, Jonathan Loafren, and Peter Dante—all great, uh, good me- members in good standing of the Sandler Squad. Um, and they are all high school classmates of both Jack and Jill, um, and they make fun of Jill. Uh, and they're like, you know, where have you been? And she's just like, well, I was in a, I was in L.A., but uh, I got tired of being on game shows and dating movie stars. And David Spade says, "Who'd you hook up with, Rob Schneider?" And Jill <laughs> says, "I like, I like him." Um, which, like, on the one hand, it's like shout out to your boy Rob, uh, but. On the other hand, if I'm Rob, I'm like, well, Jill's the most obnoxious, like, she's like the one who liked the whole movie. She doesn't even even know who, like, she doesn't know who Johnny Depp is. She doesn't know who Al Pacino is. And it's like, you know, she's the one who likes. I don't know. It's like, but it's like Butters in South Park talking about how much he likes Indiana Jones 4. Like the point is that he's the one who likes it, which means it must be lame. Um, but um Jack and Jack and Kay Holmes and their two kids show up. Um, and we get this, you know, incredibly emotional moment where Jack, uh, uh, Jack has the. It's 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 so great in how bizarre it is. Where the big emotional climax of the movie happens entirely in like their made up twin language, where Jack is just like, oh go, 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 like and and it's and it's so it's so strange. Um, and then, uh, you know, everything is everything's okay. Uh, David Spade confronts Katie Holmes saying that she, the character that David Spade is playing, she used to date at, uh, Jack in high school. Uh, she then puts Katie Holmes in a headlock um, and swings her around a whole bunch, or Katie Holmes is stunt double. Um, Jill jumps in to save the day. And then who should show up inexplicably but Al Pacino, dressed as Don Quixote, uh, and he has a lance, and he's tilting at the ceiling fans. Um, I do not know what to make of any of this. Um, is uh, in, oh, go ahead.
5: Is Peter Dante... Are Peter Dante and Jonathan lawrence are they basically doing Jersey Shore characters?
0: Yes, yes. Uh, Peter Dante especially has the, like, the um, Pauly D, like, hair.
5: Yeah, because that would have, I guess, preceded it by, it looks like, two years. So I guess, yeah, that would have been definitely a reference.
0: Yes. It's funny that they don't—it's it's it's almost a sign of restraint that they don't actually say, like, you know, hey, we're from Jersey or whatever.
5: Or have, like, Pauly D. show up or somebody.
0: And totally. <laughs> um, and then uh, Felipe—we uh, go back to Jill's home, and Felipe and his family also came to New York. Um, and uh, and uh, Felipe says— you make me feel like I just climbed out of my cousin's car after driving 1100 miles across the border. Um, he really sells all this stuff. Derbez, you can tell why he's a superstar in, in his native country. Um, uh, and he says, you know, I love you. Uh, and Jill's like, you love me. Will you convert to Judaism for me? I'm kidding. Like. Very funny, very sweet, you know. It it ties the whole thing up with a bow, uh, and it's a great ending to the movie, except it's not the ending to the movie, because the actual ending to the movie is the next scene in which we watch Al Pacino and Adam Sandler as Jack watching the Dunkerchino commercial. Now, folks, this is one of the great scenes in movies. Uh, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say, (laughs) that uh, 2011 was a great year for film. You know, Tree of Life came out that year, A Separation came out that year. Um, uh, You know,
2: Moneyball,
0: Take Shelter. Um, There were so many classic, you know, you just think about like the birth of the universe scene in Tree of Life or like, you know, Michael Shannon screaming at all those people, you know, about how a storm's coming and Take Shelter um or like Brad Pitt listening to his daughter like recording that song in Moneyball and you can put neatly right next to all those you can put the Dunkacino commercial from Jack and Jill because this is the fucking craziest thing I've ever seen is Al Pacino doing a Dunkin Donuts commercial as Al Pacino and he's referencing all his movies <laughs> and so he's just like and if this and I'll say this be outside of Volk Vulc- outside of like Vulcan video and anyone adjacent to our circle here in Austin who preached the gospel of Jack and Jill to an unbelieving world. Um, Outside of that, the only reason that this movie has any kind of cachet with people, like as a cult item or a so bad it's good thing or what what have you, it's, it's because of broadly Al Pacino's performance, but I would say specifically this scene. Like this this scene is the one that like as they say, this is the one that it, this movie will be remembered for. Um Yeah, well, it
5: was uh it was like trending a couple, maybe maybe even just last year, just like trending on Twitter with no explanation. It was just like the video and I think it maybe it was like Al Pacino and Duncacino commercial. I it, don't think it had Jack and Jill anywhere in the text.
0: He says, yeah, I think the one that's on YouTube doesn't even say Jack and Jill. It just says Al Pacino, Duncacino commercial. Um, but it's like Al Pacino, he, he walks in and he's just like, they're like, wow, Al Pacino. And he's like, it's not Al anymore. It's Dunk. Dunkacino? Uh, and then he sings a song. He like kind of does this like little rap. Um, and everyone's like breaking down. And he's saying things like Attica, Uwe, Latte Light. This whole trial is out of sight, and then he's like, "They pull me back in with, they pull me back in with hazelnut too, the caramel swirl." I know it was you. <laughs> like he's doing all of these. He's doing all these <laughs> Kids from seven to seventeen. can't get enough of my oh, <laughs> Dunkin 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 dunka dunkachino. Um, I have shown this out of context to so many <laughs> people, and the look on everyone's face is always so priceless. They're just like, "What is this?" And I'm just like, you know, it's it's exactly what it seems like. It's it's exactly what it says it is. It's Al Pacino uh, doing an advertisement for uh, Dunkin' Donuts' Dunkin' Chino product. Um, I, don't think and,
6: anyone, I don't think anyone should be allowed to watch it unless they've seen all of Jack and Jill beforehand. Like, I feel like it's, you ne- You really need to earn the Dunkin' Chino uh, commercial. <laughs> I,
0: I completely agree, uh, which, remind, which reminds me of one of my favorite tweets from last year, which was saying, like, it was talking about how, like, oh, the, um, like, it was like before Uncut Gems came out, this person on film Twitter or whatever was just like, you know, he was just like, I think like before you can claim to be a fan of, of Uncut Gems, you have to prove that you watched the motion picture of Murder Mystery. Like you have to prove that you're an Adam Sandler fan. <laughs> like, I like know. either you li- either you liked him in Murder Mystery or you don't get to like him in Uncut Gems. <laughs> and
5: so as they pull out, it's a uh, it's and I think it's just shown before in the movie. But it's Sonny Sadelstein, which I guess is a reference to his kids.
0: Yes, Sonny and Sadie are his daughters. And so that is a reference to his daughters. Uh, the, the daughters appear in brief cameos on the cruise ship. Um, they're just like two little girls. Uh, she's not on IMDb. Li- she's not listed on IMDb as being in it. So this looks like the first one in a while that Jackie Sandler has not been in. Um uh, the Sandman's wife, uh, she usually pops up in all these movies, but she is not in this one, it doesn't seem. Um, I certainly never saw her. Um, but yeah, it, when, so Pacino sees the commercial and his own, his his response is, burn this. And he's talking about how bad it is. And he's just like, no, we got to, like, who, who else has seen this? And he's like, well, my wife's seen it. He's like, no good. No good. She needs to be <laughs> talked to. Um,
6: I I I just love like the weird bizarre implication of like like Pacino in this movie shot that commercial like that took days to set up and and like light and like get and like get like, get, like the like the choreography down like he did it he knew what this was and then suddenly seeing it all together is, is like that when I clicks in front of it clicks different way. No, I, I I I look silly doing this.
0: Yep. Um and that's you know and that's Jack and Jill. That's the movie Jack and Jill. Um You know, uh, I think it speaks for itself. Uh, (laughs) It's definitely going to stand the test of time. No, this movie. So this movie is, um, I do think that it is, it's definitely the kind of thing where it's only for, I I had the same thing when I watched every one of Nicolas Cage's movies a few years ago, where people would ask me, they were like, Wilson, you know, is X movie worth seeing? Because it has Nicolas Cage in it. And I would like, you know, there would always be certain ones that I'd be like, that is, that one is, if you are a Nicolas Cage fan, you should watch it because you will get something out of it. But if you're only a casual fan, if you only like him in like Raising Arizona and leaving Las Vegas, don't watch it because it you'll you'll find it too strange or off-putting or bad or whatever. And that's right. kind of how Jack and Jill is for Sandler and his whole career where it's like, it's absolutely for purists only. Um, it definitely separates the, uh, the the men from the boys, so to speak, as far as their Sandler fandom is concerned. Um, but having said that, I cannot deny it's, it, I hate, i I grown, in my adult years, I've grown to hate the idea of ironic viewing. So always have to stress that it's not ironic appreciation in any way. I am genuinely fascinated by this movie, and I would say it's a movie that I like, like I genuinely like. Um, calling it good is a different matter? That's a that's a question. It's a question for philosophers, you know. Um, uh, but as a humble movie fan with an Adam Sandler fan podcast, uh, I gotta say, I think Jack and Jill is it, it's funny even, even if just for how baffling it is, just for like how it's all these tendencies in these other Sandler movies brought to like like I know that like when we get to grown-ups too, that's a similar kind of thing where it's just like it's just like look, you're either on board with this or you're not. Like he's not making any concessions to his audience here. Um it's basically all just like whatever Adam Sandler felt like doing on a lazy Saturday. Um, but I gotta say, like the Al Pacino of it all, the fact that he's having fun as Jill, um, and that that's a real like character, the kind of thing that I miss. In comedies in general, um, I like this movie. I I don't. It was weird watching it today just because of circumstances. Um, but you know, it felt like a weird fever dream. But uh, it's, um, yeah. I, I don't know. What what uh what? Explain to me your Jack and Jill journeys, folks.
6: Uh, I mean, yeah. So the the two uh, previous episodes we talked about grown ups and just go with it. Um, also, two movies that. You know, like we, like we, like we are firmly in the post funny people. Sandler's doing very highly, like panned movies. Um, But I don't think it's too much of a stretch to, like, like for me personally to defend those. Like, oh, grown ups, it's like a pleasant hangout movie. It's very low stakes. It's, you know, just it's kind of like you know fun to watch. I know, like just go with it. Sure, it's it's a little bloated and like over long, but the chemistry with Aniston's really great. So yeah, I like it with Jack and Jill. It's harder to defend, I suppose, as like. A comedy with taste, but as you were saying, Wilson, like this thing is so singularly bizarre, even for Adam Sandler, who can do bizarre and can do surreal. Um, but like this might be the craziest thing, pound for pound, that he's done since Billy Madison, maybe. Uh, and it's just and it but and it's so confident with it with its insanity, it's so casual about its insanity. Um, and it's all like feels of a piece, like in i i I think like ending this movie on the ducancino rap is so like 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 so, like almost like a genius capper in a way, like this sort of like throwing down like its sort of statement of purpose <laughs> uh, it's too it's too crazy to ignore i would I would say um, and that makes it fun and interesting to watch. is it my do I like it more than say even like grown ups maybe not I think I have more fun watching grown ups, but this is too crazy to brush off or to dislike. Um and yeah, I think uh Sandler uh fans or like or, or like people new to this to the Sandler filmography uh should not overlook this one and um should uh, hopefully respond to it as a special piece of work because it certainly is. Yeah.
0: Now Austin did you yeah. see this in theaters? Uh
5: I didn't. I watched it uh sometime like pretty soon after it came out. Um so yeah probably in twenty twelve. Uh but, yeah, it's, uh, it stood out to me as being really weird then. And then, like, I started just seeing more people catching on to it, like, in the last few years. And started yeah. rethinking, like... Because back in, like, 2012, I was just like, okay, this is just his normal, like, kind of weird shtick in a way. Like, I don't know. Uh-huh. It, I, think, I think it's grown to be even weirder as time has gone on. I don't know if that's just by, like, aging or just... In my place, like being in a different place in time, being like, holy shit, how does this movie exist? Uh, I will say, I'm so happy that they, watching a DVD copy of this, they have trailers. And among the things that set me up for this movie was watching the Zookeeper trailer, which has my all-time favorite moment In a film (laughs) that's maybe a happy Madison film is whenever Kevin James and a gorilla pull up to TGI Fridays and just see like the reflection show up on the the windshield and the gorilla just looks over and says, shut
0: up. Shut up. It's
5: it's so fucking good.
0: It's very funny. The um yeah, the (laughs) the apple bottom jeans song is playing like boots with the fur, shut (laughs) up. (laughs) Uh, it's great, um, Caroline. What did you think of Jack and Jill?
4: You know, I, I think you used a good word earlier. Um, it was baffling to me. <laughs> um, it, you know, as a twin, I can certainly appreciate the um, the artistic look at, you know, being a twin. Um, you know, that exploration was really, really interesting. Um, and I have to say, you know, like we've been talking about, it was it was kind of. It was kind of fun to just watch someone like Al Pacino just really he just went for it. He went he so went for it. And I you know i I don't think I could say that I liked the movie, but I have to respect that. you know, you respect that kind of performance. You respect the fact that, again, I mean, really the whole movie, they just kind of went for it. And whether or not they knew how baffling it was, it's like it didn't really matter and you know i gotta appreciate that um, you know
0: it 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 is the kind of it's the kind of thing that could only be the the the, the weird the weirdness of um, jack and jill is there's a kind of purity to it because it could only come from it could really only come from very deliberate intention or the purest form of neglect and i kind of think it's the latter where it's just like no one involved with the exception of al pacino which i don't think was intended to be as weird as it is i think it was more just like i don't think it went any further than wouldn't it be cool to have al pacino in this like wouldn't it be funny um but it does all just like it just has this very um has this very strange uh Quality to it, where it 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 it's not. It doesn't give a fuck. It doesn't really, uh, not in an aggro way, but like in certain ways, it reminded me of like Freddy Got Fingered, where it's yeah. just like here here's a movie where no one was no one was concerned about making this really appealing. Like no one was really concerned with like. I mean, I know they they just figured oh Adam Sandler just makes movies that audiences like, and up till that point they had been right. Um, and so, it's anyone's guess, really, why this one out of all of them sort of fell on its face, other than maybe he just pushed it a little too far. It's a little too baroque. It's a little bit too like, you know, for for uber fans. only. It's a deep cut for Sandler rather than, uh, you know, one of his uh, one of his mainstream gems. Um, fuck yeah, it's 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 wild. It's truly truly strange. Um, But yeah, I have a lot of. I also have a lot of emotions around this movie because um, this was, as we mentioned, uh, you know, beloved video store here in Austin, unfortunately closed, and the manager of that store, Brian Connolly, who's been on our show several times. A big part we've talked about this, like our journeys with Adam Sandler and like how we, like you know, were we always a fan, or did we kind of have like ups and downs with them or whatever? And Jack and Jill is actually the movie. I said that this was like the movie that made me want to do the podcast. And that's kind of true because Brian Connolly working with him, he, you know, he was sort of inspiring with how unashamedly pro Sandler he was. And he was like, dude, like they're, they're fun. And I was like, well, I like him in Billy Madison. He's like, no, they're all funny. And (laughs) he was like, and he was like, we should put on Jack and Jill. And I was like, are you serious? Thinking he was kidding. And he's like, no, it's really funny. And as we're watching it, I'm watching Al Pacino in it and I'm just like, Oh my God, like, this is like, this is nothing like what I thought it would be. Um, and that reevaluation of Jack and Jill like that sort of like taking it in that spirit where I was like, Whoa, like, like this is good, bad. I'm not interested in those categories right now. It's just like, this is something I've never seen really. Um, and I need to know more about this or like, like, or like dig deeper here uh even with just within myself um you know to, to interrogate my own reactions i don't know it definitely like led to it's it's definitely sort of the seed of all the rest of this where now i'm like fully like no 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 grown ups is good like you don't understand like i'm fully in the brian connolly corner on all this um sure. but jack and jill was really the spark on all that
6: yeah no i remember um Remember you and I working together at Vulcan and talking about Sandler and you sort of telling me that story um and which I also heard from Connolly himself because I remember one of my first shifts there we were talking about kind of the Happy Madison movies or like Happy Madison adjacent movies I think the first one of the first things I watched at the store training with Brian was dirty work uh, which you know <laughs> is certainly you know you know in this you know same universe of uh, and uh yeah, just uh, both uh, your like uh, yours, Wilson's and Brian's enthusiasm for Jack and Jill, which it took me a while to finally actually sit down and watch. Um, I'd only seen yeah. random clips here and there at the store, but sitting down and you know really getting into it, like, oh wow, wait, no, this is they weren't they, like like they weren't kidding. It's not just a matter of like oh like I mean like the Pacino stuff goes a long way, but it's not just that. It's it's the entire kind of tone of the movie. Uh, the Gopher broke Kurt like like confidence like of this of like of this movie um the don't give a fuckness that that you're referring to um uh no no like no time wasted in this movie worrying about good taste or respectability Mm -hmm. it just goes for what it's going for and um even that feels special in the sandler canon just how dialed like dialed up this movie is um and um it it always i i always appreciate that it was sort of a kind of like a line in the sand, um, as far as your Sandler fandom, uh, with, uh, like with our, with our Vulcan friends and customers and so on, um, you could, like, you could always tell the, uh, true believers by their take on Jack and Jill.
0: Well, there's, there's like the, I think it, this is definitely a, like, I don't, if someone tell you know, if someone is like, I don't, you know, I have, I have, at least one friend who was like, I don't think Billy Madison's funny. I'm like, well, you're insane. My dude, like that's, that's crazy. Like, like that's not, that's not just snobbery. You're just wrong. Um, But like Jack and Jill is a movie when people are just like, Oh, like, I don't like that movie. I'm like, no, I get why you don't like the movie. It's just (laughs) like, you have to acknowledge, like it's, it's on some other shit. Like it is like, it is, it's doing something like, I'm not, I'm not totally sure what it's doing, but it feels like it um, you know, like Ash says in Alien about the xenomorph. He says, I admire its purity. Um, <laughs> and that's that's what this is. I, I'm always fond of those sorts of things. And again, I think we're gonna have another one with grown-ups too, which is in a different sort of way. Another Adam Sandler being just like, fuck, fuck y'all. Like I like y'all, like y'all just you you will like what I put in front of you, like no matter how much effort I put into it or don't put into it. Um, but yeah, it just, it just has this very, um, this very strange, I don't know. Like there's just a, just a very strange like attitude towards it. Like I can also compare it to something like Clifford with Martin Short, where it's just like, it's like clearly this person enjoyed playing this character, but you're just like, who was this made for? Who was the audience? Like, what was the like, what like i don't know there's so many questions you know it's a you know like any great any great work of I, i had a college film professor who once said about his favorite film 2001 space odyssey he was like i consider a masterpiece to be a movie that every time you watch it it feels like you're seeing it for the first time um and i won't call jack and jill a masterpiece but i will say every time i see it it's like i'm watching it for the first time
6: absolutely like um I know I wasn't the only person to think, because um, I totally missed Jack and Jill when it was released in theaters. By then, I was kind of very much deep into sort of, oh, Stanler has lost it kind of uh, era, which I'm, you know, gladly past now. But I remember thinking, seeing, like, the trailers and, like, poster and, like, all the advertising for Jack and Jill, I thought, like, one or two things. Like, oh, this looks like a movie that they would have made fun of in Funny People, and or this looks like a fake 30 Rock movie. And oh. yes... It does look like that. Just 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 like looking at the poster, Adam Sandler is or Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler as Jack and Jill. Like it like it looks like a joke. It, it looks like a bit. Um the actual experience of watching the movie, however, is much more uh interesting than a joke movie. Like um the actual like truth of Jack and Jill is far more bizarre than you could ever predict or expect or imagine.
0: And the truth of Jack and Jill is an ecstatic truth. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> It, it, it transcends other truths. Um, so, yeah, so that's, I mean, I think that's most of what we have to say about Jack and Jill uh, critically. Um, well, I guess, Caroline, uh, you know, because we have you here and it's a very special episode. What uh, specifically, how do you think the movie portrayed being a twin? How accurate to either into the letter of being a twin or to the spirit of being a twin?
4: Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> you know, it's hard to answer that question. I, I guess maybe um, I think it did a good job. But I, I think that, you know, uh, my only experience with being a twin, you know, is being your twin. And our relationship is clearly so different from that of Jack and Jill. So, um so it's tough. That's a that's a tough call for sure. What do you think about that?
0: I mean, you know, I think that I uh, uh, I will say that I will say that Jack in this movie, it's like I think one thing that would it, it it makes sense because the movie's not grounded in any in any sort of reality, so like you wouldn't expect to see your experience reflected necessarily. Um, but it's like. You know, Jack, you could have come up with plot reasons, genuine plot reasons, or even character reasons for Jack to be as annoyed with Jill as he is. But I have to say that Jack comes off as like a huge dick the whole movie, even though Jill is also very obnoxious. It's like, look, she like, and maybe this is just the twin in me, but I was just kind of like, dude, like she sucks, but she is your sister. Like, come on. And I like I could I guess my point in saying that is it's like I could see. I could see like, you could be like, oh, like times when you're like annoyed at your twin for something, you're annoyed at your sibling for something. You could see that reflected in the movie, but the degree to which he is annoyed at Jill, to which he seems to genuinely not like her. I know they, they probably told themselves they needed that for dramatic reasons, um, so to speak, but it is like a, and it doesn't bother me within the reality of the movie, but if you're trying to ground it at all, it's just like, well, like, he is kind of hateful here. Like she's like, she's annoying, but like he should have, he should have reconciled himself to that long ago because.
4: For sure. And I I will say that um, one thing that I noted um, was in the, in the beginning, the when Harry met Sally esque um, intro, one of the sets of twins, uh, I think some of, some of the girls said something like um, being a twin is like being a married couple and not being able to, to to divorce her. (laughs) that was a really that's totally spot on because you know it's like and especially like us being you know a boy girl twins it's definitely felt like that our whole lives you know and um yeah it's like we are a married couple and we can't divorce each other and like you know whereas in the movie I think Adam Sandler takes it like a little too far you know most of the time you and I if we're ever in disagreement it's like oh you know Resent, we're more resigned to that fact, so
0: yeah. Um, a, a pair of twins who I know, uh, Eric and Crow, uh, do make, uh, who if all goes according to plan, you will hear in another part of this podcast. Um, uh, they, I, they're twins and I, they have discussed before. I used to live with them, uh, and I remember them talking about like, you know, they're very, very close as twins, and they were talking about like how you know, having to explain to people where it's like, well, you've had this person your entire life, like literally a person you've known longer than anyone else. And it's like, and you, and you have that sort of familiarity. And sometimes it like, you have to explain that sort of thing to people where it's like, oh yeah, it's like a, it's a brother or a sister, but it's also like more than that. And, you know, again, I think maybe Jack Jack and Jill gets at that in the aforementioned, you know, ecstatic, the sense of like ecstatic truth, but Mm -hmm. literal truth. You know, not not as much. It's not as true to at least our experience. Um, it's a little more dysfunctional than than I think is 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 desirable.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely. Oh, well, is that it for is that it for our Jack and Jill discussion? I think that might be all. I think that might be all she wrote on this. I mean, the movie didn't do well, uh, and you know, I guess they went back to the drawing board.
5: Yeah, unless we want to do any. Uh... Product placement final wrap
0: up. Yeah, we'll mention those. So we've got. um, So we'll do, of course, our categories um, as normal. So um, I'll probably I might even miss some here because I wrote wrote down a lot. Um, But uh, product placement, we've got Hooters, we've got Pepto Bismol, we've got Dunkin' Donuts, which is the big one, Um, and that's very much in the Happy Gilmore, Little Nicky. Big Daddy sense of like, I mean, it's like fully a commercial for this. I mean, like quite literally a commercial for Dunkin' Donuts. Um, you've got uh, Hilton Hotels. You've got Macy's. You've got Marshall's. You've got Skype. You've got Sony VAIO PCs. You've got Sara Lee Bagels. You've got uh, Coca-Cola. You have got Downey and Gain. Uh you've got Adidas, Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um you've got um oh Jill at one point mentions hungry hungry hippos, so that get that counts. Uh Hungry Hungry Hippos, Diet Coke, Bud Light, Pace Salsa. Um, let's see, Royal Caribbean, uh, Jack Daniels. Uh, Oreos and, and I think that's it. Um, anything else jumped out? Did I miss one?
6: Did we actually mention the Dunkin Donuts? Oh, yeah.. yeah. Okay. Donuts.
0: Um, so yeah, Dunkin Donuts, definitely in there. Um, think that I think that's I think that's all. That's all the ones I had. Um, and then for Sandler's squad, uh, we've got uh, this doesn't count, but technically, I did notice that, Robert Smigel was an executive producer on this one. So, you know, long time Sandler uh, friend, you know, getting in on that action. Um, So we've got Nick Swardson. uh, We've got Dana Carvey. We've got uh, Tim Meadows. We've got uh, Alan Covert. We've got... um, Um, Shaquille O'Neal, we've got Norm McDonald, we've got um, let's see, uh, John McEnroe, Dan Patrick, who, Austin, who were some of the other guys from the party? Michael uh, Irvin?
5: You got Michael Irvin and you've got Bill Romanek Bill, uh, Romanek, Ro- Roman- right. Ro- Bill Romanowski Bill sorry, Bill okay. Romanowski Okay, uh, you mentioned John McEnroe, yes, uh, Dan Patrick, yes. um. Gary Valentine shows up in several of these as like a small bit player. He's like here as one of the almost looks like he's a producer or something of the commercials. Okay. He, he may or may not be Kevin James's brother, or is.
0: Oh, I remember Gary. Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. So Gary Valentine, um, yeah. Dennis Dugan, um, Jonathan Lawford, huh? Oh, yeah, Jonathan Lawford, Peter Dante, and David Spade. Um, Yeah, so I think that's all for... uh, uh, Oh! Oh, yeah?
5: Um, uh, Eugenio Derbez shows up in uh, at least one, if not two more movies.
0: Great. So Eugenio Derbez is there as well. Um, And then we have uh, slumming love interest, um, our favorite category because it's always very easy to define. Uh, Actually, here, it is very easy to define because Katie Holmes is like she might even more so than Kate. No, I'm just going to say more so than Kate Beckinsale, Katie Holmes, I think might be the quintess, one of the quintessential slumming love interests here because she is given no character whatsoever. And because she's given no character whatsoever, you are forced to wonder aside from his money, what does she, what, what do she and Jack have together? Like, what is their relationship like? um, what is she doing there? I mean, she's obviously a beautiful woman, you know, in, in real life, married to Tom, at that point, married to Tom Cruise. So you're just sort of like, she is, it's like, is she, it's not slumming because, like, oh, how would she end up with Adam Sandler? Although there's a little bit of that. It's more slumming because it's just like, Katie Holmes, what are you doing here? Like, this right. is not, a, this is not, this is barely a performance or barely a role.
6: Like, the only like personality trait that she has, and it's, and it's a nice one, is, is, is that like, in comparison to jack being such kind of like a like a dick um katie holmes character is always very sweet with jill and very patient and uh w- which is the uh, like the only like discernible personality trait that i could like kind of see
0: <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean she barely even gets like exasperated in those like oh the wife of kevin the wife of the king of queens has to be mad at kevin james or whatever like she's it's barely even like that she's she's just there She's like, I mean, again, extremely pretty, but it's like wallpaper. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so those are our categories. uh, And I think that wraps us up for Jack and Jill. Um, I'm really excited for our next episode because uh, it's another, you know, Sandler unfortunately continues his slide at the box office. um, But much like Jack and Jill, the next Adam Sandler movie that we're going to cover Uh, is one that I find endlessly fascinating uh, and something that it's just like, it's bizarre that it got made. And it's clearly the result of someone who could not be told no by anybody in power. Um, And that movie, of course, is 2012's uh, Adam Sandler, Andy Samberg, double-hander, a two-hander, That's My Boy. Um, That one is... Almost without a doubt, Adam Sandler's most problematic movie. Uh, Cannot wait to unpack all of that uh, on the air of this podcast. Uh, And hopefully we'll have a guest or two uh, to help us navigate those choppy waters. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited about that. Uh, Caroline, thank you so much for joining us. It was huge. It's been a long time coming.
4: Thanks for having me.
5: Thanks, Caroline.
0: Thank you so Uh, much for
5: being here, Caroline.
0: And I think uh, without further ado, that is it for this episode. So I am Wilson Smith.
6: This was Chris Giles.
0: Austin Cole. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you for That's My Boy.